0: hello everybody and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty report with us today is Daniel McAdams our co-host Daniel good to see you this morning
1: good morning dr. Paul how are you this morning I'm
0: doing well thank good. you and All right. uh, and we're going to talk about a poll and you're you're the poll expert
1: only when it goes our way <laughs> yeah.
0: no polling is interesting and uh, it's good at least for twenty four hours
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> and uh, i 'm always amazed about polling, and since you're the you're the expert for our staff <laughs> <laughs> it's it's amazing that they can do this. How do they sort out the cell phones from the landlines? yeah i wonder i don't, I don't even know if they call call anyway we look at them if they go our way, we repeat them <laughs> but the one we have today is interesting because I think I learned something from from this that there's more and it's cross section of it both parties are starting yeah. to get disgusted with it, but the uh but the poll uh, here, uh, as was uh, we were looking at the anti-war report on it, although there's other reports, the majority of American voters want us to call for a permanent Gaza ceasefire. So uh, the majority of American voters, that means a lot of Republicans and a lot of Democrats, yeah. a lot of people who just woke up, you know, and uh, decided, hey, th- there's a limit to this. And... Uh, they they, they 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 one of the num- big numbers is 61% of all Americans support the idea of the US for calling for a permanent ceasefire yeah. but there believe me Daniel there's a lot of stuff People are lining up. You know who's going to? They're already lining up for some of the financing. Pump in billions of dollars to rebuild the country they bombed and, and blew up. So they're 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 getting ready for that. But uh, and and the people who are in the control. I mean, some of the demands from Israel. Uh, it's they're they're not very generous in, in what in trying to settle a dispute that ends up if it doesn't end, the killing will continue. So that's uh, what they're dealing with. But anyway, we see a few things in this poll that shows that the American people, at least, are getting disgusted. And as I mentioned in, in the past, it, does, it looks like it might not have taken them as long as it took, you know, in the Korean War and the Vietnam War and the Middle East. Uh, heck, we're still in the Middle East in many ways. So uh, this, this one is uh, people are getting tired of it. And they're tired of Ukraine, too. And uh, the votes have gone uh, gone the way of uh, fiscal conservatives and trying to get people back to their senses.
1: Yeah, you know, this is, um, this is a poll that the mainstream media doesn't want Americans to see. Certainly the right-wing media doesn't want Americans to see. Uh, and put this one up if you can. This is from antiwar.com. Majority of American voters want U.S. to call for permanent Gaza ceasefire. And I think some of the things that are happening... Uh, Well, first of all, I have to say social media has changed this, specifically Twitter. Because since Elon Musk has come in and has opened it up for a real debate, you have a lot of citizen journalists, you have a lot of fact-checkers, you have a lot of people like um, Max Blumenthal, for example, uh, who has really dug into what happened on October 7th and found some interesting things about it. And you're having people who are debunking propaganda in real time. These are significant things. And so while the mainstream media still has a hold on the majority of American people, more and more people are looking for alternatives. They're looking at things that we look at, like Zero Hedge and AntiWar.com and others. Uh, but they're going on Twitter where, if they're reasonable uh, and not uh, too extreme, uh, they're able to uh, get involved in the conversation and look at things. I'll put that back up because that, I think, is why we're seeing things like this. A polling continues to show the majority of Americans favor a lasting ceasefire for Gaza, a position the Biden administration has rejected. The latest poll from Data for Progress found that 61% of American voters support the idea of the U.S. calling for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza and a general de-escalation of violence. Now, this is where Biden is in trouble. It includes 76% percent of Democrats, and this is surprising because you wouldn't see this, 49% of Republicans. Okay, so it's not a majority of Republicans, but you're factoring all the neocons, all of the uberhawks, and this. When you even factor all these people in, you're almost at 50-50 people saying, we don't want any part of this. And I think one of the things that is behind this, Dr. Paul, is the realization, and more and more people are seeing this, that this is America's war. We are supplying the bombs. We're supplying the weapons. We're supplying the drones. We're supplying the intelligence. We're supplying the targeting. This is just like Ukraine. This is America's proxy war to a degree. Now it's not an even fit, but our proxy war in the Middle East. We own this war, and I think a lot of Americans are saying no thanks. So What
0: our leaders have uh, become dependent on is that this was different because we're going to avoid the body bags. And Vietnam and other things, they would have tried to hide them, which they couldn't get away with. But now they have devised this system where it's our money and all the things that you list, all the responsibility. So we're into this big time, but still the people uh, you know, didn't see body bags and they're told, well, the American soldiers aren't dying. And even even Israelis will say, you know, we don't want we don't have to have the American troops. We just want your money, and your weapons and yeah. and, and, and take care of it. So that uh, that to me means that uh, uh, this is a good news story in the South fact that people woke up absence the gory details of what happened in Vietnam where they started reporting uh, you know what was happening and you and you point out back then it was the television and things that were coming through but now we have something faster yeah. than the news on television we, we have we have the internet and uh, that makes a difference And we get the news we have, have a, uh, I think everybody should recognize you have a bigger job in sorting out what you should believe and what you shouldn't believe because sometimes the rapidity that we have on the internet will give you a disastrous uh, uh, a group of people coming along to believe in like in COVID yeah. they were successfully in undermining you know truth and uh, that that but this, this this is good and i think that the american people uh, out of their own self-interest, and it has to be out of their own self-interest, that they have to look at this as, what does this, this mean? What, what does this mean? And uh, I keep emphasizing the economics because that's the one that comes home. And if we can, I would just hit that so hard if I'd happen to be in politics, is showing why foreign policy is the bread and butter issue at home. You know, uh, Johnson tried to say, you, you know, you can have bread and butter, butter, we're so rich, and uh, he didn't get away with it. They that gave, that gave us the 1970s, and that was a disastrous decade. So we're still trying to do that, except one thing, the financial situation of this country is much worse yeah. than it was uh, in, in the 60s and the 70s, and that was a, those were bad decades.
1: Yeah, I think definitely the financial aspect is important. But I think a lot of Americans are understanding the moral aspect
0: of the whole thing,
1: you know, because here we're having it pounded into our heads. We represent the international rules-based order. We are the ones who are standing up for human rights. Whereas if if a hospital, God forbid, gets uh, bombed in Ukraine, basically the whole U.S. government shuts down. But here we have Israel's bombed every hospital in Gaza. They bomb it, and then they bomb it again. (laughs) <laughs> they bombed the operating room. And I think Americans are starting to realize this, not just the group that they would like, the demonized hard left would have you, but more and more. And they're also realizing if you... Um, actually, as the Wall Street Journal pointed out, um, of all places, just a couple of days ago, the U.S. has provided Israel uh, with uh, 15,000 bombs since October 7th. And I think Americans understand that A... Any civilian that was killed by Hamas on October 7th is horrible. It's detestable. It shouldn't have happened. Uh, But they also understand that, and also we know that this 1,200, they claim, is a lot less because of the work of Max Blumenthal. A lot of these people were victims of friendly fire by the Israeli military. Nevertheless, any any civilian killed is unacceptable. But when you have this group of several hundred perhaps killed by Hamas, and then you look at Gaza and you see now 16,000 civilians killed, Americans aren't stupid. They have a sense of justice, that there is a moral problem here. Why can't anyone in Congress or the administration say it's unacceptable to murder 16,000 people, even if it's in retaliation for the killing of a especially for the killing of only a couple hundred? You know, there was one
0: part of this report that caught my attention. Uh, The the Reuters uh, also found that little support for the U.S. arming Israel, uh, wow boy that is something just 31% of the respondents said they sus- they supported sending israel with these weapons yeah. so that that is uh, a a difference most of the time that's the cop out you know just send them the weapons and we won't be as guilty as uh, as as it would be if we just sent the soldiers it would be a little more politically acceptable but uh the people are already resisting because i think they're realizing that uh, there is a distraction certainly they started talking that way over ukraine yeah. you know why? Are, why are we worrying about the borders and a border fight in ukraine while we can't even protect our own selves here yeah. at home. So this uh, th- this is good, but it's painful and it's yeah. very costly. And I think maybe the urgency is the fact that p- more people are recognizing that, uh, I think the financial people know this, but more average people know it. If you do polling, you find out that people are really scared and uh, rightfully so so there's a sentiment in the air that makes this very frightening and uh even though they somebody showed yeah but but uh, they sort of hide from the the reality there because they still love their football games yeah
1: (laughs) well you're right on ukraine i mean more majority people oppose sending more money congress says i don't care about you forget you but the same thing was also true with COVID. americans said we don't want to put these masks on we don't want to take the shots. And government that shut up and take the shots or lose your job. So well, you always say that the people are the leading edge and the Congress is the trailing what, edge. I want to ask a question here. You know,
0: that more people are uh, against arming Israel. Do you think that could be anti-Semitic?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and Congress uh, may uh, pass the bill tomorrow. We Ronald want to Samuel. talk a little bit about yeah. how
0: you define anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah,
1: I just want to show a couple charts before we move on, if you don't mind, because charts are always fun. If you can put on that next clip. Um, because here is the uh, here is the um, poll that we're talking about. Voters support the U.S. calling for a permanent ceasefire and de-escalation. All likely voters—that's where you see that 61. Uh, Democrats—that's where you see that uh, 75 or so, 76. Uh, independents: 57 percent of independents, uh, and the majority of American voters consider themselves independent. Uh, 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 support a ceasefire and 49% of Republicans, as opposed to 41% who oppose. So even the majority of Republicans support a permanent ceasefire. Now, when you look at that under 45 vote, which is important, you have 63% overall support a ceasefire. And now the next one, uh, that you, uh, if we can put that next poll up real quick, um, this is uh, Americans who believe that military aid should be conditioned on human rights. Now, I know there's a, our philosophical position is that there shouldn't be conditions on aid because there shouldn't be aid. But nevertheless, in the world of reality, interestingly enough, 63% of all American voters believe, hey, if you're going to give them some weapons, you better tell them to stop blowing up people in their homes. You know, we're getting sick of it. And that's 76% of Democrats say that. That's a big problem for Biden because he can't bring himself to say Bibi, stop killing people. You know, you just can't do it. And the one other thing, I'm just going to reiterate what you say, because a lot of people may poo-poo this poll saying, oh, this looks like this isn't a major outlet. This sounds like a left-wing outlet. But it does dovetail with, if you put that next clip up, uh, as you just suggested, Dr. Paul, it dovetails with a recent Reuters-Ipsos poll, uh, which is a mainstream polling outlet, No, uh, you know, very mainstream, It found that 68% of Americans agree that Israel should call for a ceasefire and try to negotiate. So yes, this other poll may be a left-leaning company. I don't know much about it. Nevertheless, it does dovetail with other polling that we're seeing.
0: Well, it's that there's something that should bring it all together, and that is just the uh, the right to live freely in a free country and not always be paying for wars yeah. and all, all all this thing that goes on, and that that I think is is so starting to show through. Uh, they that, that they realize that uh, uh, there, there is a limit to what what the, what we have to put up with. So I think is I think some of this stuff is good, and people are realizing it. But uh, the whole thing is is Understanding how the problem started, what the solution is, where is the pain going to go because you just can't liquidate these trillions and trillions of dollars. That, you know, I talk about trillions going up one in, in one year. Yeah. It's, it's not over t- three decades or something or 100 years before you can get a trillion dollars. But now it's just totally exploding, yeah. and that's why people are so worried about what's happening.
1: Yeah, rightly so. Well, the other, the next story is an update, really, because we've talked about it yesterday a little bit. They did a voice vote on this anti-Semitism bill yesterday, uh, and someone raised their hand and called for a recorded vote. So they took the recorded vote. I think it was last night. You needed two thirds yes for a recorded vote on a suspension bill, which is what this was. Um, and if you put this up, it did pass, which is not a surprise. Um, House passes bill that states anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Now, this is a big deal because it's the first time something like this has passed, as far as I know, in Congress, making this statement that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Now, as we pointed out yesterday, Gerald Nadler, with whom we do not agree very often, uh, is a Jewish member of the House of Representatives. He went to the floor with a very eloquent statement. Whoever wrote this bill knows nothing about Jewish history because there is a strong history on the left and the right, so to speak, of anti-Zionist Judaism. Uh, the people on the right, so-called ultra-Orthodox, uh, don't believe in Zionism because it's a political philosophy that they reject. And there are a lot of secular Jews uh, in the US who are very strongly anti-Zionist. Uh, and so essentially what this bill says is, hey, you guys are both anti-Semites, all of you, <laughs> millions of you. And Jill Stein, who is the Green Party uh, candidate for president, we know Jill. She's a great anti-war voice. She had a great comment on this vote, if you put up that next clip. Now she's on the left. She said, Congress says you're a bad Jew if you're not a Zionist. How anti-Semitic is that? (laughs) Which is pretty hilarious. She's basically calling out Congress saying, hey, you passed a bill about anti-Semitism, It's an anti-Semitic bill in itself, you know, it's anti-Jewish. You know,
0: this makes me think of, I wonder if we could ever commit anything like this. And I think we do it routinely, because if you, uh, in in the old days, a military uh, funding bill, we used to be able to get 15 people to vote with it. And even then, and as they do now, you don't support the troops. You're anti-patriotic, you're anti-American. And they translate that into, you know, getting the money and all. And this, in a way, is the endorsement. Of a, of a political idea and in which direction Israel should go and uh, therefore uh, if you vote one way they'll say oh you're, you're anti-semitic and they won't give you any credit for using your brain yeah. and
1: saying well you ought to reconsider your position is what we should do. Well the real deal about this bill it has nothing to do with Israel it has nothing to do with anti-semitism uh, what this bill is all about is Congress is panicking because of what we talked about earlier, because they are losing the American people. The American people are unenthused about this war. They need them to be enthused about this war because Ukraine's going to hell in a handbasket, which we'll talk about next. They need to cover the tracks of their last mistake, but Americans aren't buying it. There's a debate in America. There's a debate on Twitter, and it's not just confined to the far left. And so what this bill is about is restricting American speech it's about intimidating Americans into not going out to protest not raising their voice and say hey yeah I I like Israel I don't want Jews to get killed however look at this slaughter over here on the other side don't say that they want them to shut up because if you speak out you're anti-semitic and no one wants to be tarred with that it doesn't have the sting that it once had because it's been so overused. Nevertheless, nobody wants to be called names. So this is an attempt by Congress to bully the American people into keeping their mouths shut.
0: Simply, it, it's saying that if you express yourself and say that you're against Zionism and some of their policies, uh, you hate all Jews. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and it's oh, that's
0: simple for them, you know. Uh, they they put it together, and for the most part, they get away with it. I'll comment, but I give Jerry Nadler some credit. Yeah, yeah, Boy, I'll tell you that that is good. So that, that's what I like to see: this this leaking in of the truth, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's overwhelming, and then they they come around it. So that's. Uh, People like that should get credit because m- maybe next day or next year or after he retires from Congress, he will have, you know, a change in attitude. Yeah. And uh, it's better to be late than never yeah. <laughs> on, on trying to put the, put these principles together. Because right now the principles or whatever they say to, you know, even people believe it is proper to lie. And some people even go to Congress thinking lying, lying is a neat little tool. But I keep thinking. Well, there was a bunch of a bunch of people <laughs> lying to get into Congress. Yeah, exactly. How about how about presidential debates?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to share this next clip because uh, for a number of reasons, the first one is now, these are the Sakmar Jews, and I actually happen to really like them. They, they come from Hungary. They're called ultra orthodox. One of the reasons I like them is because during covid in New York, the government said, hey, you guys got to shut down. No more religious meetings, no more. None of this business. They said, forget you. Don't you dare stop us. They did it anyway. They don't take no for an answer. They're going to exercise their religious uh, preferences regardless of who says what. Now here they are in New York. Uh, this is a gathering of sixty thousand. Just put it up before you play it. I go. Uh, it's, I'm sorry. It's the first video clip. The first video. Cli- uh, the first video clip. There we go. So just scroll down so I can <laughs> read the top of it if you don't mind, before you start playing. And, uh, the other way. There we go. So. Um, this is over 60,000 anti-Zionist Jews gathered in America for the Satmar Rebbe Yol Teitelbaum who opposed the existence of Israel and fought against the ideology of Zionism. Now you can agree or disagree, but the one thing you can't do, now start showing this clip, these are the Satmar Jews. You cannot call these people anti-Semitic. <laughs> Take a look at them. I'd love to be at this party. Check it out. Now the point is you can agree or disagree with their political perspective however this bill in that just passed the house blanket called these people a bunch of anti-semites but it
0: makes me uh, uh it gives me a memory of what uh, i said on occasion if you're going to have a revolution you have to have music <laughs> yeah, wasn't yeah. that great <laughs> yeah 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 That's yeah, very yeah, jumpy let, music let, us, let them sing but uh, but you know there were there were other groups that stood up i mean like uh, uh the, the uh uh, Jews in this case stood up, but uh, the Amish stood up. They, they, they too, said yeah. they didn't send in the troops yeah. into an Amish community because it was overwhelming. And uh, what about the uh, the the uh, Parents that finally stood up—they—they yeah. they actually were more harsh with parents because, they you know—one of their dedications—and I remember being taught as a little child that you know, they wanted control of uh, children at least before they're six, and then yeah. we can control them forever, you know—and that's what they do. They want to have controls, and uh, but when the parents stood up to the harsh uh, regulations of COVID, uh, that made uh, the government nervous. And, and they're still doing it, though. I mean, when you think about this, uh, uh, who who owns the kids or who's responsible for the kids? It's most people believe it's the government. They yeah. par- parents aren't capable of doing that. Well, I hope they have a thing coming for experimenting with them.
1: Yeah. One day. <laughs> well, our next, our last uh, little clip for the piece for the day is also a follow-up in a way. It's a follow-up to our top story yesterday. We we're talking about how the American mainstream media has now finally started talking about. Ukraine being a disaster and Ukraine being lost. Well, this is a big deal because De Welt is the number one paper in Germany. Germany has been an enthusiastic hostage or supporter of this U.S. proxy war against Russia. And De Welt has been a devoted, devoted proponent of the war against Russia through Ukraine. They have been all on board, and as I'll say, they still are. Nevertheless, we notice this on Zero Hedge. There is a big turning if you put that next clip up because de Welt. Has Kiev already lost? Germany's Welt newspaper claims Ukraine is crumbling and that Orban was right, but nobody dares admit it. Uh, this is a big deal. Uh, if you do the next one, this is going to shock a lot of Germans. Um, but entitled Has Kiev Already Lost? The article describes Ukraine's military growing increasingly despondent to the point that the country's commander in chief admits there's a stalemate. From the article, winter's just around the corner. The counteroffensive seems to have failed. The allies are weary. And since the beginning of November, at, or at the latest, Ukrainian President Zelensky has a new opponent who was not necessarily to be expected his own commander in chief this is a big deal i imagine one friend of ours is probably
0: not surprised about this uh i think he's a colonel a mcgregor yeah or a, from the uh, beginning from the yeah, beginning from the very beginning he's he's uh, he's become a, a loyal a steady supporter and a spokesman you know for us he's been to a couple of our spoke at three and, of our conferences and yeah, we de- great de- depend on him for the research and i keep thinking you know uh, i guess one of the things that, if if you go back and you want to give Biden, let's see you're a Democrat, and you want to give Biden some real good advice, uh, so he doesn't get into trouble, you could say, well, why don't we look at your plan? Is it? Do I understand you have a plan for maybe uh, getting out of Afghanistan? Getting out of wars is always messy, but you may maybe we need some advice. And I think he had some suggestions for that that never got uh, much credibility.
1: Yeah. Well, he was considered a kook and this and that. They couldn't call him a non-patriot because he actually was in a tank fighting uh, and was a decorated combat veteran. But nevertheless, it wasn't just McGregor. McGregor McGregor's great, but it was people who've also spoken at our conferences, Scott Ritter, uh, Larry Johnson, and many others who were right from the beginning. Um, Judge Napolitano has a great show. He interviews these people every day. Um, He has kept an open mind, and uh, he's a great conduit for truth on this as well. So these things were available beforehand. Nobody wanted to listen. And now, just like with you, when you voted against the Iraq War and everything went to hell, and everyone finally agreed to it, they said, well, nobody saw this coming, right? (laughs) And you're over there saying, hold on. (laughs) And it'll be stashed away in some files
0: on place. Or maybe down the road, 50, 100 years, somebody will say, hey, I wonder if, I wonder what the history of all this is yeah. about. Yeah. But we tried, we tr- tried our best to change things immediately, but also to leave a record, yeah. uh, you know, of, of what could be and should have been done. And it wasn't. Co- what, what got to make people. Well, how did you know this and this? I said, well, it's really not complicated. You know, uh, violence is not good. The Constitution gives us good guidelines, and uh, if, if we act in a moral sense, we don't dig our these holes. When you think about it, just, just, just really. Uh, d- depresses me when you think about you know after Hiroshima and Nagasaki the war has ended but the war was really only starting that's when our empire was yeah. really got a boost it it might might have been an infant but it became a, a teenager and then we've been working on that uh, that uh, you know you, you know the empire and it's ongoing and we we still people People don't want to give up with that. Even though we see these and we report it, when people are changing their minds, there's still a lot of people, at least the ones that the, you, you, you know, the Main Street media, they, they get military people to, do, to, to defend their position yeah. and uh, look down upon people like us that would suggest uh, another way of doing it.
1: Yeah. Well, on Ukraine, we can't, we can't let it go that Thomas Massey was on Tucker Carlson last night. And Massey as to be expected was spectacular. Um, he handled every question perfectly, um, super well-informed, unlike most members of Congress, super well-informed, super knowledgeable, and it was hard. I, I was actually about ready to go to sleep, and I saw it, and I watched it on my phone, which I don't usually do, um, but I couldn't turn it off. So we had a hard time. I found a one-minute and 15-second clip of, uh, of Congressman Massey on with Tucker. And he talks about Ukraine here. And let's watch this exchange as we kind of close out, uh, lean toward the edge of today's show. This is such a great exchange. Let's let's, let's listen to this. We've spent twice as much in Ukraine as we do on all of our roads and bridges federally in the United States. That is money that could have gone to
0: double our infrastructure. Yet we're blowing up infrastructure that we're gonna end up I hate this, but they're going to tell us that we have to rebuild it when this is all over with. (laughs) The scale of this insanity is is hard to digest, and they're saying we have a moral obligation. You're a bad person. You just heard the National Security Advisor say that you're a bad person if you're against this. But no one ever mentions that we have abetted the killing of an entire generation of Ukrainian men that will not be replaced.
1: to fight a war that they cannot win. They literally cannot win. We prevented a peace deal and we extended the war and we killed all these people. And so all the ones running around with their little Ukraine
0: flag pins, they're implicated in that. Has anyone apologized?
1: No, to support this money, you have to be economically illiterate and morally deficient. Those are both conditions of voting for Uh this. Uh, because to say that we're going to grind down Russia, that we're going to deplete their own soldiers by expending the lives of Ukrainians, knowing that in the end, we're going to leave them holding the bag, that in the end, they can never prevail. They're not going to take back Crimea, even though we... I I could sit and watch this for a long time. (laughs) He makes a couple of great points. One of them is familiar. We blow up their stuff, then we have to pay to fix it. (laughs) They're already Um. lining up. (laughs) And the other, which is interesting, is the money we sent over the last year is more than we spend on the entire roads and bridges in the u.s
0: yeah they're all falling down yeah we didn't even have to bomb them they're just (laughs) worn out yeah Uh, so hats off to thomas so, so sad yeah you know it's it's not brand new it's not like we didn't have some uh Experiences in this country to know what's happening, but you know it, the wars are generally like this. Yeah. You, you know the ways and the killing going on, and uh, and yet this really sad part is, is I think the people who orchestrate these wars, number wise, they're the ones. Who are in a very strong minority? Then they have control of the propaganda machine, the political machine, the judicial system, and uh, you know now it's the attack on freedom of speech and expressing ourselves, and yet. Yet we still, we still, and I am determined to look at the positive side to get people to say, you can't throw in the towel. What would life be like yeah. if you say, oh, well, it's, all, it's all over, and just sit around and wait for them to engulf all of us? So... uh and, and I think, and the other thing that I, I do, Daniel, and you're aware of, is I like to get, uh, and we experience all the time, because I want to associate with people that are like-minded. Not that they're, they're robots and we just agree on everything, but like-minded in the sense that there's a better way to go and discuss it and work out the details and, why, and try to figure out why. I always want to know why are they doing it? Why are they, what's their motivation? And uh, getting together with people like that, which we have done on numerous occasions in just our short history. Uh, I find them very enlightening and uh, I'm delighted with that because people are interested in it and people will come long distances just to know that they're going to be meeting other people and long term friendships are oftentimes made at these conferences. So I think that uh, that is what we should concentrate on and use the facilities and I keep thinking, well how did the founders do this? How did the people who were rebelling against the big Army in the history of the world, the, the British M- Empire. Uh, well, w- w- maybe it was, uh, maybe they were able to uh, persuade them and scare them, but they did it with pamphleteering, you know, and I don't even, they probably didn't have that great of cameras. They didn't have cameras to show 50,000 people gathering together. But the message, the ideas, the ideologies and the principles that they were fighting for led to the revolution and the Constitution. So And that happened that was occurring under dire circumstances. And uh, it's pretty amazing that it, it worked. And uh, I I think that uh, we need confidence that ideas are important. It's the correctness of the idea which will determine the direction of our country. And I think that's what our goals here are at the Institute for Peace and Prosperity is get to the right ideas of what liberty is all about. Emphasize that and show people that if you care about peace and prosperity, that's the way to go. I wanna thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.